Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun, our weekly podcast with stories and information about the weather and climate and how they intersect with our everyday lives with our goal to weatherproof your life. As we make it through the seasons, we're in the spring series, concentrating on this beautiful spring weather that uh, certainly I got to enjoy a nice couple of days down in the sunny Florida. Yes, friends, my name is Dean DeVore. I'm your host from AccuWeather.com, and I've been on national vacation this week, but we decided that it'd be a good idea to actually check in and do the podcast, and we've... uh, got a couple of topics that are kind of vacation or outdoors or recreation related that we're going to get to today. One is really kind of based on my travel experiences here over this week and found some interesting things out on the road or through the friendly skies. Andrew Gross from AAA is going to join me in our second segment as we take a look at Maybe some folks uh, I know are kind of chomping at the bit a bit to get out and travel. Uh, I would have some words of caution for you. There's uh, certainly some things that you might want to think about before you kind of rush right out and try to get back into the travel mindset that you had right uh, before the pandemic. It's it's not quite the same. And Andy and I will talk about that a little bit. Uh, then I'll kind of do a brief little weather segment for this coming weekend and a week beyond. Uh, but in our first race of focus, we're going to take a look at the skies. Brian Leda from our AccuWeather Astronomy Group, meteorologist from AccuWeather, joins us to talk about this spring's uh, things that are going on celestially and maybe some thoughts about the summer as well. My friends, it's time to talk about everything under the sun. Certainly on this podcast, as we've gone through the last year or so, we talked uh, about how uh, important it is to uh, learn things about outdoors and, and, and kind of get in touch again. And we've been getting in touch, it seems, more and more of us with things like gardening and also um, stargazing has been an amazing thing that I think as people have been spending more time outdoors uh, and over this past summer, they got into it, especially with what was an amazing celestial summer last year with all kinds of uh, eclipses and conjunctions of planets and some really cool things in the sky. We are coming off a long, cold winter and heading into spring, and it was time to check in again with uh, AccuWeather meteorologist Brian Leda, who one of the curators of our AccuWeather Astronomy Twitter feed and our AccuWeather.com astronomy articles to get us in tune with what's going on this spring in terms of astronomy and astronomical events. Something I've been seeing here over the last couple of days as this podcast drops is this um, moon goes to its very new moon phase this weekend and seeing that little crescent moon and something called Earthshine. So Brian and I talk about that and more here on Everything Under the Sun. 
Well, Brian, it's good to talk to you. It's uh, been a few months as we're coming out of uh, the dead and dark of winter, which I guess in some way we had that. Remember, we had that discussion. Is it better to stargaze in the winter or the summer? Uh, winter, certainly you get longer, darker hours and, uh, you know, maybe sometimes clearer skies. But now that we're seeing temperatures warm up and I think it caught us both by surprise here as we record this in the middle of April, we're in the middle of Global Astronomy Month, which is, uh, I guess it goes back to a Astronomers Without Borders, nonprofit organization, month-long event, ensuring ensuring and encouraging people to share the sky. And you were talking to me, Brian, before we got into the, the conversation we're recording here about this movement that's gaining ground too. And this is the uh, coming in or just coming out of the week. It's called Dark Sky Movement, which is really kind of, you know, I, I was I likened it to, you know, we've set up nature preserves where we set up areas like parks to uh, kind of uh, hold on to the wildlife that we have. This is an idea to try to create areas in parks, especially to hold on to areas without light pollution so we can actually see the sky unabated at night without too much problem. That's kind of a cool concept. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so it's a great movement. Uh, It's headed by the International Dark Sky Association, and they establish what they call dark sky parks all around the globe. And these are areas that are exceptionally dark, far away from light pollution, where you could see the night sky pretty much how it was before the light bulb was invented. (laughs) Uh, And this includes places like Death Valley National Park in California, Big Bend National Park in Texas, places that are just really far away from urban areas, uh, you know, far away from the city lights of Los Angeles or Dallas or any city, really. Uh, So you need to travel really far to see these. But if you're there at night, I've been at a couple myself, and it's just breathtaking what the night sky looks like. Your eyes don't need to be adjusted to the dark to see the Milky Way, which is just phenomenal. It really is. And and I've seen, you know, I've gotten, we have a cabin up in in north central Pennsylvania area called the Endless Mountains. And we have some areas there where we go at night to spot deer. And there's some open fields that we kind of just park the car and get out. And, you know, after a few seconds, yeah, the Milky Way pops out at you, which, you know, for most of us, that's uh, very rarefied uh, situations to see that. Um, is the the movement's growing then? I mean, uh, because I, I think there's better light mitigation now as we get actually better light technology. Um, there's easier ways to mitigate light as before, you know, like when the technology wasn't so great, we just had to blast as much light as we could to keep it lit at night, right? So now things can be more targeted and uh, maybe that'll help this uh, idea of being able to see things better at night. Yeah, that's another thing that the International Dark Sky Association is really going towards is limiting light pollution. So they're establishing these basically dark sky preserves, like you said, but they're trying to work with cities to lower their light pollution footprint. Uh, They've actually worked with a couple of cities to kind of test out different light fixtures and ways to keep key things like highways lit at night while reducing the overall light pollution. Uh, And this is really starting to pick up momentum. And if they could roll this across the entire country, it would open up the night skies for many more people. Some people, they don't even know what the Milky Way looks like. They only see pictures online. So if everyone kind of does their part to try to limit light pollution, more and more people might finally get a look at the true night sky. Also, the, the one of the topics that I know we've discussed previously is this idea was this... Um SpaceX kind of a grid of, of, of objects in the sky to help uh, create a uh, blanket Wi-Fi over the world. Was that going to hinder uh, night sky viewing? Uh, was Have you, I haven't seen anything come across the wires on that, that 
caught my eye in the last couple of months uh, as we continue to see SpaceX pretty active in the in space exploration and putting things up in the sky. So SpaceX, they are still going forward with their what they call the Starlink satellite constellation to provide broadband fast speed internet around the entire world. Anywhere you are, you could be in the middle of the ocean and still get internet connection. Now they are doing uh, some adjustments to their satellites. The first couple batches that they sent up, they were really bright and really reflective. And so they're working to kind of lower their impact on the night sky so they could still do their purpose, but they're not quite as visible. They don't reflect as much light. So they are kind of trying to take steps forward to reducing their impact and reducing, you know, their light pollution that they're seeing off of these satellites. There's hundreds and hundreds of satellites up there and they're planning on launching more. And I mean, there's a bunch of debris up there already, current satellites, old satellites, there's a lot up there and they're adding to that. So they're trying to just do their part to reduce their own visibility in the night sky while still carrying out their primary function. I think that was uh, also when I was a kid or younger and with the family up in the mountains there in those dark spots and looking up and, and finding satellites. And, you know, and I remember the first time we saw three together and we were like, oh, UFO. No, it's just the way the GPS satellites work. They triangulate, right? And all kinds of stuff that you start learning about and but I think it's even more active. And I, I, I glance up and see satellites, I think, absolutely much more frequently. And now with technology and everything in our smartphone, I can be alerted when the, like the International Space Station, I love to be alerted that the International Space Station is flying over on a clear night. Go out and watch it. It's pretty cool. It's, it's pretty awesome what we have now compared to, you know, we just had to hope and pray that we would see a satellite back in the day. Yeah, you hit on the International Space Station. It- that is a great object to see in the night sky. It fascinates people that they can actually see it with their own eyes, and it's so incredibly bright. But there's so many dimmer satellites up there. I mean, you could just be out for 10 minutes and look up in a dark sky and spot a couple of these really slow-moving satellites. They're really dim, but you could pick them out. They don't flash or anything. And it's hard to tell what exact satellite you're looking at, but if you look close enough, they're there. Yeah, actually, what's really cool is the one app I have now, I think... uh... Like at Erskine, and it's called Satellite Tracker, I believe. It actually will show you a picture or kind of a, a drawing of what the satellite actually looks like and kind of spins it around. And then you can watch what the, the path is so you can plan ahead which way in the part of the sky you need to watch. It's, it's fun stuff, especially, like I said, after living such a low-tech life in my early life there back when I was a kid. Uh, Brian, we're talking with Brian Leda, our, uh, one of our experts and uh, the person who curates our AccuWeather.com astronomy uh, stories and information on AccuWeather.com and our AccuWeather.com astronomy Twitter handle. And uh, Brian, let's take a look at some of the things that we're uh, getting here into spring. And there's some things to look for here towards the end of the month in April. Looks like uh, the moon and Mars will have a pretty cool conjunction here just about the time this episode is dropping here, here on the uh, weekend, 15th, 16th, 17th. Um, the Lyrid meteor shower coming towards the end of the month. And some other meteor showers here as we get to the beginning of May. Uh, what else do we have cooking and maybe talk about some of those things that are coming here in the near term? Well, before I hit on any of the big events, I just want to point out that, you know, the seasons are changing now and so too are the night skies. And April is really your last chance to see some big constellations like Orion and the brightest star in the sky, Sirius. Uh, both of these are visible in the southwest right after nightfall. I see them every night when I'm taking the dogs out. Once these are gone after April, you're not going to be able to see them again until October or November. So 
this is the last time to see some of these, what I call wintertime constellations until later in the year. Uh, and you can see these pretty much any night in April. Uh, like I said, look to the Southwest just after nightfall and you can't miss them. But probably the biggest event of the month is the one that you touched on already, the Lyrid meteor shower. And that one peaks on the night of April 21st into the early morning hours of April 22nd, which is also Earth Day. So if you want to spend some time outside under the sky for Earth Day, the Lyrid meteor shower is just the perfect event for it. The first meteor shower since early January. So we've kind of had a bit of a meteor shower drought here. It's not the most impressive meteor shower, uh, only up to about 20 meteors per hour during the second half of the night. But it's a lot better than what we've had the past couple months. There really haven't been any meteor showers. Uh, and if you miss the Lyrids, there's another meteor shower coming up in early May, and that's the Ada Aquarian meteor shower. This is about the same as the Lyrids. We're looking at about 10 to 30 meteors per hour. Uh, so we have two kind of back-to-back meteor showers to go outside and spot some shooting stars. So, Brian, that takes us then into uh, May. Um, you know, I'm looking at this list of stuff, and this is something I hadn't seen before, um, Earthshine nights. Uh, I didn't even think about that, but it does make sense on those nights where the moon is in those early stages of waxing and waning, what would typically be supposedly the dark side of the moon, the unlighted side is actually shows up pretty well because of the reflection of the light off the earth back to the moon. Is that how that works in that situation? Correct. It's best seen the first couple of nights after a new moon, you get that really thin crescent. And when it's starting to get kind of close to the horizon, the little crescent that's being lit up by the sun, but then the rest of the moon is kind of lit up by light reflecting off of the earth. And that's what they call that earth shine. So you could see the entire moon, but part of it's brighter than the rest. And it's pretty fantastic to see. You know, like I said, you can only see it in the couple nights surrounding the new moon. Uh, but if it's clear and everything's perfect, it's just it's kind of cool that you can see both the light and the dark side of the moon at the same time. Yeah, I've, uh, I've thought about that, too. And, you know, these are the things you notice and, you, and your mind, it doesn't kind of... Uh, you know, comprehend the full effect of actually what's happening there with the the fact that Earth is actually lighting up a part of the moon surface. So do we get to the end of May? The the full moon in May is called a, the flower moon. It's also a super moon, uh, but it will also have a, a total lunar eclipse. Now, who's going to get it this uh, this one? Is it uh, what parts of the world will get the total lunar eclipse this time? So this is going to be the first total lunar eclipse visible from the U.S. in a couple of years. And it really depends where you live on how much you're going to see. If you're on the East Coast on the early morning of May 26th, you'll only get to see the partial lunar eclipse. So part of the moon's going to turn dark and then it's going to set below the horizon and you're going to miss the main event. Now, if you're on the western half of the United States or North America, you're going to see the entire eclipse, which is that's amazing. The total lunar eclipse, that's when the moon passes directly through the shadow of the Earth. And not only does the moon go completely dark, but it actually appears kind of rusty orange or red in color. And that's what we call sometimes the blood moon because of the color that it appears. And that's because it, just imagine yourself on the surface of the moon watching this happen. You see the Earth slowly move in front of the sun. And then once it moves directly in front of the sun, you're going to see like a halo around the earth. Now, sunsets and sunrises on the earth, they're kind of red and orange in color. And that color of all the sunrises and sunsets on the earth at the same time, that's going to, that light is kind of cast onto the moon and that's why it appears red in color. So 
really when you're looking at the moon during a total eclipse, you're also seeing all the sunrises and sunsets on the earth happening at that exact time, which kind of blows my mind. Yeah, <laughs> I'm does. not sure about you. Yeah, I, it really does. That's just, it's kind of amazing to put all this stuff in perspective. So that kind of walks us through the, the major events of spring. We'll talk again when we get to summer. Now, my feeling is, and, and I kind of, you know, I remember talking about this this last year with kind of the kind of reawakening for a lot of us with getting outside and appreciating the stars in the sky both at night. And for me, you know, I wake up so early in the morning, I get a good look at the morning sky before sunrise. Um, there were a lot of great stuff last summer, you know, conjunctions of the planets. I think we had a lunar eclipse. But I don't think it was a full one over the United States. I think it was on July 4th. I remember that amazing full moon that night where I was. Uh, but it just doesn't seem to me, Brian, that Am I looking at a list that I don't see anything too major this summer? We may have uh, peaked with all those major things last year a little bit uh, in terms of what's going on up in the sky. Yeah, there's not any big events that are really standing out to me until later in the year. Uh, we will have Jupiter and Saturn in the, in the summer sky, uh, kind of like last year. Uh, so that's a great thing to look for if you have a telescope. Great for new telescope owners, uh, but nothing major to look for. So I would just say kind of get in touch with the night sky. Spend one night every week and just look up at the night sky, you know, for five or 10 minutes and just take it in. Uh, there's just something kind of relaxing about it. All right, Brian, sounds good. I, I still would like to check in with you uh, in terms of the summer. We'll get to you uh, right at the beginning of our summer series uh, there in the beginning of June and kind of take a look and map some things out. There's always, uh, you can certainly plan ahead too for some of the later season, late summer, and then early fall meteor showers and stuff. And <clears throat> maybe we can kind of, when we convene in the summer, take a look at maybe some of the big events ahead that aren't necessarily in that particular season. But I know what are we now three years away from the big solar eclipse again for the United States? Yeah, three years from now on April 8th, 2024, we have a total solar eclipse going across a good portion of the U.S., including some major cities, uh, Dallas, Cleveland, just to name a few. So that's kind of off in the distance, but something to start thinking about now. Uh, yeah, I know all the planning that went into people looking at that last big solar eclipse. In fact, paying like, what, $15, $20 to send in a stadium that was supposed to be under and then the clouds moved in, right? I think I remember that story. Brian, we'll check in with you in the summer. You have a good spring. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me. You can follow Brian on Twitter at WX. L-A-D-A, that's our short term or shorthand for weather. And you can find our AccuAstronomy Twitter handle as well, which has all of those articles that we write about astronomy for AccuWeather.com kind of curated there and other great information too. Well, I want to give you some information based on some travel experiences I had over the past week when we come back. Public Relations Manager Andrew Gross from AAA joins us on Everything Under the Sun. Talk about spring travel here coming out of the pandemic. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. See a future powered by ingenuity, innovation, and local community heroes. Watch Our America, Climate of Hope, presented by ABC Localish Studios in partnership with National Geographic, starting Saturday, April 17th on Hulu. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. This is meteorologist Dean DeVore, your host. Thanks again to Brian Leda. Now, we're going to transition to a topic that's really based on the fact that this is a vacation week for me off of my AccuWeather radio schedule. And last several days, I've been in sunny Florida enjoying things there. That trip, though, for me, kind of ironic that 
the weatherman had the weather affect his uh, opening trip here. Uh, so I was trying to fly down to Florida on Sunday. A massive uh, line of thunderstorms just slowly moved through the state all day. Stranded thousands of people in Florida. Stranded me and hundreds of people uh, in the D.C. Reagan National Airport. And then thousands of people across the United States and world trying to get into Florida. It was a real mess. And it really opened my eyes to the fact that that being my first airline travel in over 15, 16 months, it's a whole different world out there. So I know some of us are chomping at the bit to get out and get about, but I think it's time for us to kind of maybe think about what we want to do in terms of planning for summer vacation travel. And I thought no better person to talk to that about is public relations manager, Andrew Gross from AAA. We had Andrew on back before the winter holiday travel and Andrew's ready to talk to us about this uh, spring summer season. Andrew, welcome to Everything Under the Sun. So yeah, that's the premise of this interview today is my travel experiences here over the last uh, few days down and back to Miami on, you know, pre-pandemic which would have been a, a pretty standard trip, you know, to be able to kind of pull off last minute. I was able to pull it off last minute. And it wasn't that expensive, but I ran into some things that I think as we go through this spring season and people are getting ready and thinking about uh, their summer travel, uh, they may want to keep in mind and uh, just wanted to run them by you and the folks and the expertise of AAA to to see uh, what trends and things that you've been seeing as people start to think about planning their summer vacation. First of all, I don't think we've talked to you since before Christmas season okay. and then and, and the uh the, the winter holidays so just some anything you got you folks gleaned off of that in terms of numbers or trends and where uh certainly uh the travel industry is heading into what will be an uptick now going into this summer season from where i think it was last summer season well, your timing is perfect because we are right in the midst of beginning our forecast for the summer travel season. And we're going to have that out. We call it our Memorial Day forecast. We're going to be having uh, releasing that completely on the 11th of May. But we're already beginning to see some travel trends. We've noticed a significant recent increase in online uh, traffic to certain websites and bookings, particularly for hotels and car rentals. So we know that people are feeling more confident about going away for the summer. Yes, I could see that. Now, so I would be, this is a, a couple of weeks after kind of the height of spring break Easter travel to Florida, right? So um, I think we're coming down off of that peak, right? When, which would we be as we get then ramping up into uh, early to mid-May, which begins graduation and movement uh, again of college kids and, and things. And then getting ready for the summer season. But um, a lot of people... Now, here we go. Let me tell you a couple of stories. First of all, this past Sunday, I don't know if you kind of remember, there were amazing thunderstorms in Florida. In oh, fact, yes. They, yep. bis- they, they bisected the state all day. Yeah. So I, I sat at Reagan National from 10 a.m. to about 2.30 with them keeping telling me us every half an hour that they didn't have clearance. I went through two boardings uh, and had a, as you know, as a, a, an interruption second boarding because of the, of the weather situation. 
But then once we were stuck, there were three flights from D.C. to Miami piled up waiting. And then obviously all the flights in and out. of it, It was a mess for Florida. It was a mess for a lot of other places in the country in terms of uh, Sunday. A uh, couple of things. Uh, back in the day before pre-pandemic, that would have been a lot easier to sort out. I've heard a lot of horror stories over the last couple of days of people that were not able to sort it out as quickly. And I think that's a lot of because we're so um, smaller in terms of capacity, right? In terms of airlines, the number of flights and, and the planes and those kinds of things. So, so I think that needs to be a little cautious of people to understand that if uh, there's there's not easy ways out of travel problems right about now, as there were maybe pre-pandemic. Is that a, an agreeable situation? What you think? I, I think, yeah, I think so. I think we always tell people pack your patience, and it's certainly going to be useful come this year. We also know that a lot of folks. You know, they took road trips. If they if they traveled last year, they did it by road. The the Great American Road Trip. Uh, people kind of maybe rediscovered it, or they yeah. realized that that maybe it's a little easier now. You know, you got your GPS, you got your devices. Getting around is a little easier, and you have a little more sense of control when you're in your own car. You don't have to, you know, kind of worry about who's close to you, who's sitting next to you. You can choose when you want to leave. You can choose when you want to stop. You have more control. Um, and we think that there's going to be a lot of domestic travel and road trips still going to be big drivers of travel this summer. Well, one thing then I would also caution. So you had three Miami flights, about 600 people uh, sitting there at the and basically the same area. The the amenities at all. And I was at Reagan National. I was at uh, the Miami airport and I had to do some uh, actually rented my car out of Fort Lauderdale. So. I was at that airport as well. The amount of things that are open at these airports is probably, I would say, 30 to 40 to 50 percent of what was open before. And that can be problematic, too, when you're used to going to an airport or someplace and having a lot of choices, didn't have as many choices. So, again, that, these are things I think uh, as you folks prepare your forecasting that, that understand that um, things are different especially for folks that haven't been out and about for over a year. Yeah, that's a real, that's a fantastic point. People have to realize we're not out of the woods yet. We're still in this pandemic. And, and yes, there's more confidence because right now, at least a third of Americans have received at least one dose of the vaccine. I'm one of them. I got my first dose of Pfizer at 11 o'clock this morning. So, and, and I'm feeling great. Uh, but you have to remember the rule of two and two two doses and add two weeks to it. And then you can be considered a fully vaccinated traveler. Now that doesn't mean you can go crazy. You still have to wear a mask when you travel, particularly if you're on a plane or on a bus or on a train and still wash your hands, still maintain some common sense. But I think there's a lot of confidence out there, but let's not get too overconfident. There's a lot of confidence. And then there's a lot of um, people just thinking they remember everything about because travel is tough. I mean, there's so many things you have to remember. There are so many um, procedures you have to follow when you're going, you know, the, the security situation, all that. Um, so what what people have to do is kind of relax and be patient. I, I saw a lot less of that. And Andy, I got to tell you, a lot less of that. Um, I think, uh, and, and, and just be prepared if you're traveling with your family to... Uh, you know, explain that this this may be you, you may encounter some 
some people that are frustrated and and problems along the way and just got to kind of breathe a little bit, right? Uh, as right. everybody tries to sort all of this out right now. Now, did you encounter any issues with your rental car? The rental car situation that I encountered was a price situation. Out of the Miami airport, the uh, the the rate was about 70 a day, the cheapest rate. Out of Fort Lauderdale, it was only 25. You know, I've encountered that. I had a bad situation with one of the third-party hotel situations, which I have used a lot in the past uh, for quick trips to a situation where, you know, I showed up at the property where I had supposedly a reservation for and they didn't have it, tried to call this third party and just didn't get any relief for a couple of hours. Uh, So I and and that was repeated to me back from the hotel's point of view that they've been seeing more and more of those situations where uh, they're having issues uh, with third party and, and kinds of things. So I, I guess, again, this would all be Dean's first venture out here this spring. Uh, who is, I'm a pretty seasoned traveler, Andy. I, I, you know, and, and so um, I just, a lot of things that I noticed here that, and it hasn't been that long. It's been, uh, a, a, you know, it's been a year, but uh, a lot of things that I remember just a year ago, wow, such a stark change and attitudes and things. So it's going to be interesting to see how how that shakes out here in the next couple of months as people try to get out and and start to make some plans for the summer. That's right. And you know they're going to. There's just a, there's just it's like a cork in a bottle right now and people just really want to get out and they're feeling confident and we we already know that uh, some of the key destinations, you know, Orlando, uh, the Caribbean, Key West, Las Vegas, Palm Springs, beach destinations. We already have a pretty good idea where people are going. And Orlando is interesting because Orlando is, you know, year in and year out, Orlando is reliably one of the number one destinations. You know, you got the theme parks. People love right. that. Last summer, for the first time, Orlando was not number one. It had, it was still stayed in the top 10, but it dropped down. But it's back to number one now. So people in terms of, you know, bookings, people getting ready. So, uh I, I think it's a very valid point you're making is that, you know, be patient. People are going to be on the road. People are going to be traveling. I think also to be patient, too, is you have to understand, I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of resort communities have in the past relied on folks coming in from other countries to do those jobs, to work in those. And that certainly in the pandemic situation was uh, an issue last year. And I wonder if that can be an issue this year as we try to ramp up and get the resort areas and the, and and I'm not sure that that those programs are back to to normal from where they were pre-pandemic. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, we know well we know that you know other countries are not I don't want to say performing as well as the United States, but but they're not. I mean, we're doing an, a great job of vaccinating people. We know that other countries are struggling, so that is definitely something to consider. It's definitely something to consider if you're thinking of international travel. As we get back to this feeling that everything's getting more normal, there's still going to be a lag in things that you may not think of in your travel or your vacation process that may not, you know, for us as individuals, we may be ahead of the curve, but in terms of being able to host you at a resort or someplace else, that may be another six months 
delayed in terms of the ability to get back to normal. Does that oh, make yeah. sense? Oh, absolutely. There'll probably be a lag. Yeah. If you go to resort, you it's very likely you could you could you could get the sense of gee, there just seems a lot less staff this year than than in previous years. Right. But you know, we know that that's probably going to be a temporary thing. Just the world needs to catch up to us in terms of vaccinations. Yeah, it's uh, it was an interesting dynamic because uh, obviously I wanted to get away and, and needed the break. Pretty ironic that the weather guys uh, vacation was impacted by weather and then um, just to kind of get a sense of what it's like out there uh, my partner had traveled for business uh, just about four weeks ago across the country so he gave me an idea of what the plane and that was like and yeah. that was fine for me I did not have any experiences and everybody was great I do want to say too Andrew that the, the, the ground level people that are giving you the service in whatever capacity, seem to be really uh, encouraged and, and, and helpful and, and excited to have people to serve. Do you know what I'm saying with that? Yeah. So the people that, that work in the travel industry that have made that their life, that want to help people travel and recreate and have fun, I think they're ready to get back to that. And that's refreshing. Obviously, the situation and then the people around you, those other attitudes sometimes can bring a damper to that. But at least that part of it was refreshing. Well, that's great to hear. That's very uh, that's very encouraging. All right. Anything you want to add, my friend? It was great to touch base. And when you get that summer forecast, uh, we're going to maybe touch base again here yeah, in the near future. Yeah, that should be coming but... out May 11th. So we can we can talk then. I just want to, uh, you know, we always we always advise people to still follow the CDC guidelines. You know, so wear your mask when you travel. Uh, just be safe. We're not out of the woods yet. And don't don't be don't allow your confidence to kind of run away with things. Just keep your head about you and and also pack your patience because it's going to be a while before everything's back to normal. This isn't just something where we can snap our fingers and everything's going to be fine. It's it's going to take a little while. This was a big deal. This pandemic, it was and is a really big deal. And people have to realize it's rippled across all aspects, really every aspect of uh, of our lives. So this isn't something that's just going to go away. If you'd like more information on their services, how to become a member, or uh, anything else that the, the myriad of things that AAA does, it's, uh, you know, when I was growing up, it's, you went to AAA and you got your maps to plan your summer trip, right? That's how you did the trip tick. Remember that? But now they do everything. I've got my car insurance through them. So thank you, Andrew uh, Gross from AAA. And you can check out AAA.com as uh, folks are really uh, thinking about traveling here over the next few weeks in the spring. Let's uh, go right into our final segment here on Everything Under the Sun, which is our weather for the uh, weekend ahead and the week beyond. Normally, I look at uh, this with one of our AccuWeather meteorologists, but uh, I think I'm going to just take a look at it myself because I just uh, have been trying to zone out of the weather for a few days, but I've been getting back into it. I think that's... uh, like anything in life, if you take a little bit of a break, you kind of get slowly back to it. So as I'm looking at the map for this upcoming weekend, the thing that certainly I see is a lot cooler air in the eastern part of the country and central part of the country than I left with. You know, that warm air, that unseasonably warm air that we had about a week or so ago, that's been erased. In fact, those were the thunderstorms <laughs> that uh, I dealt with back last Sunday in Florida. That was part of a big cold front. So 
that frontal boundary between the cooler air and the warmer tropical air that's going to stick in Florida. I'll tell you what, Florida was really low humidity when I was just there the last couple of days, even down to Miami. But uh, the warmth and the more humidity is coming back there. There's going to be a lot of unsettled weather over the weekend along the Gulf Coast and then through places like uh, Jacksonville, Florida, up into um, just south of Charlotte, North Carolina, South Carolina. But the north of that, it's a little bit drier, chilly air. It's going to be all the way from the Great Lakes back through uh, the, the Intermountain West. So uh, you were warm for a week or so, and now we're paying that price for folks in the Northeast. Uh, you're cooler or just uh, near average, not bad. Some unsettled weather from uh, West Virginia back through uh, the southern Parts of the Ohio Valley back to even parts of St. Louis could see some showers and thunderstorms. Oh, yes, there's a little bit of snow in the uh, Canadian uh, Rockies down into Montana. And there is some snow in the Rockies just southwest of Denver that could fall in the higher elevations. Showers and thunderstorms along the Gulf Coast. But a lot of the country, if you look at that weather map, is pretty quiet. Just the chill, uh, the northeast two-thirds of the country. Now, meanwhile, the western part of the country is seasonably warm. L.A. all the way up to Portland, that warmth is going to build and be around for the first several days as we go into next week. We're going to see another kind of flip coming here in about a week or so where the northeast, after being so cool for the next week or two, cool or cooler than average, flips back into the warmer stuff. So incredible uh, changes that have been going on in the weather. So, friends, as we get ready to... uh, close this episode five out episode six is and we've been promising to do this is a q and a episode uh, so if you have some questions or something about meteorology that you want to explain the three d's uh, danielle niddle david dombeck and yours truly dean devore will be here to uh, talk to you about that so you can send those questions in early at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com we'll be kind of uh, reaching out to folks through our, our website and other avenues to kind of solicit these questions too. But as a great listener to everything under the sun, you got an early jump on the, the fact that you can get your question in. Again, accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com. If you have a question about the weather or something you want to explain that you've not ever understood, we'll try and get it uh, explained for you. Again, accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com. For our guests, Andrew Gross and Brian Leda and our executive producers, Ted Prell and Andrew Robb, I'm your host, Dean DeVore. Thanks for being with us. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.